Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk, a traditional Wiccan podcast where we will discuss topics affecting the pagan community from a traditionalist perspective. The topics we discuss are picked from our magical hat, and the discussions are unscripted. The talk should be led by Lord Chase Knight Smith, Elder and High Priest of Third Degree, and he's joined by Keegan, First Degree Priestess. Pagan Coffee Talk is brought to you by Life Temple and Seminary. Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk. I'm Keegan, and as always, Lord Knight. So what's our topic today? Personally, what is a tradition to you? Well, let's start this by having you look up the word tradition. The transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to, de- to generation or the fact of being passed on in this way. Or, a doctrine believed to have divine authority, though not in the scriptures. That's a tradition. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, do we have have a sacred divine authority that is not in the scriptures? Yes, we do. What we have is, I mean, we have our teaching. And again, you got to remember... We are a mystery tradition, and which for right now, all I'll say about mysteries are there are two types. There are traditional mysteries, and then there are what I refer to as universal mysteries. Okay. And when we're talking about traditionals and stuff like that, we're talking about those traditional mysteries. Now, these are mysteries that we can tell you what they are and why. The universal mysteries, not getting into big details, until you experience them, you ain't got a clue. Okay. Scooby-Doo ain't going to help you with those. No. Scooby-Doo's not going to help you with those. Research won't help you. Thinking won't help you. But until you go through them, you won't understand them. So you were taught the same information I was taught that I was taught by Lord Men. Okay. Makes sense so far? Yeah. Which makes it a tradition. A tradition can be as simple as reading a poem. There's a certain poem in our tradition that we read every time during Samhain. But, I mean, to me, it's, it's the same poem every year that's read. The ritual, the bulk of the ritual might change and diverge a little bit. And that's what everybody gets confused about when we talk about traditionalist. Yes, we believe in a certain way, a certain way of doing things, a pattern of how you learn and the steps that takes to get initiated and all this other stuff. Traditionalists use initiation for joining their coven. Right. What about solitary practices or the eclectic? I mean, I can't speak for them back way back in the day. Way, way back in the day. You know, when I did solitary, I found that, yeah, I would do certain things re- repetitiously. There are certain things I would do for my full moons and my aspats over and over again. So, I mean, speaking from that viewpoint, yeah, tradition comes in there. I don't see how it don't. What's the difference between... 
or to you, what's the difference between tradition and ritual? What do you mean? Well, um, a ritual is a set of things that you do every time. But if I, like the story you tell me with the meat being cut, with the ends being cut off to fit in the pan, was that a ritual or was that a tradition? And is there a difference between the two? That is a tradition, which now you got everybody confused because now they don't know what in the world you're talking about. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's a question that came into my head. All right. So first of all, let's look at the story. The story that Lord Men told me, in which I love this story, hence the reason I probably tell it all the time, <laughs> is, you know, there, there's this little girl, and she notices her mom cutting the ends off a roast. So she looks at her mom, hey, mom, why are you cutting the ends off the roast? And her mom responds, because it makes it taste better. But why? I don't know. It's the way your grandma did it. You'll have to ask her when she gets here. Little girl's satisfied with this. Then the grandma shows up. She looks at her and goes, hey, grandma, why does cutting off the ends of the roast make it taste better? I don't know. You'll have to ask your nanny when she gets here. Because, you know, when I was raised, she taught me to do the same thing. So I just taught your mom. So her nanny shows up. She climbs up on her nanny's lap. and She goes, nanny, the roast that you've taught grandma and my mom to cook tastes absolutely wonderful. But how come cutting off the ends of the roast makes it taste better? <laughs> her nanny looks at her and just in complete confusion for a moment, thinks about this problem. And then answers her, Lord, child, I did that to make it fit in the pan. <laughs> what I like about this story is that, A, it illustrates how traditions come about and how some traditions come about without knowing the why behind it. Right. And that's what I see mainly in people who do traditional craft, who – part of covens and temples and stuff like that, they're taught the why behind it. Right. And some of them are traditional mysteries, which we're not allowed to discuss out in public. I could talk to someone, another traditionalist of another tradition other than mine, to some extent about some of these mysteries. But if I'm meeting someone who's a solitaire or something like that, probably not. Let's look at it this way. There are certain things that most traditionals, not all, all I can do is speak about my tradition, right. that we do in a certain format. You show up, you study, we give you 13 classes, and you, you study. You pretty much learn how to, in those classes, how to function in temple. And we tell you off the bat, hey, you know, this is a way. It is not the way. We are not the holy of keeping of, you know. All that is true. This is just how we do it. And basically sit there and tell you that, okay, this should give you enough information to where you could go to any traditional temple or any temple anywhere and pretty much know what in the world's going on and be able to function in a certain way and be able to adapt to that environment. Because, you know, you do have some temples that are less traditional and some that are more traditional. Where, you know, you might go into a temple and they don't follow all the protocol that we do. Would they have protocol? It really depends on that tradition. 
there's some that are eclectic groups, and I've never seen any protocol there. Mm. But you go to some traditional covens, and yes, that protocol must be followed. It's expected, like in our tradition, which I'm not trying to get too deep into our protocol, but when you come in, the expectation is, is that you go see the high priestess and the priest first and elders before you basically talk to anybody else. That is a tradition. That is something that's passed down from one generation to the next. It shows respect and all this other stuff without trying to get too much into protocol. <laughs> right. Most traditions have some type of degree system. Majority of them I know about, including us, we do first degree, second degree, and third degree. You study, there's a process there, um, which in our tradition is a spiritual matter, which falls onto the priestess to decide if you're ready for initiation. Just because you do classes in our tradition does not mean you automatically get initiated. You're educated, but are you spiritually ready? Right. Those to us are two different things. Then you have your second degree training, which you yourself know this is a very long and arduous process. Yes, yes, it is. It's tradition. It's tradition. (laughs) You have to to learn. (laughs) You have to learn. You know, you got to go through a lot of poops there. Then you get your second degree. Then you become a third degree. And that third degree, you pretty much can run your own temple independently to a certain extent from the main temple. Bonds are not completely broken, but we're not sticking our nose into the day-to-day runnings there. But there's no void of coven there. No, there's not. You know, we would still get together for um, Grand Sabbaths or certain events. We would try to bring all these covens that we have or all these temples that we have together for those big events, kind of like homecoming. Right. You know, that that process for us, on average, to go from neophyte all the way up to third degree is roughly about 10 years, give or take. Depending on the person. So when you're a third degree, you've earned it. Oh, Lord, yes. When you're a second degree, you've earned it. (laughs) Because in our tradition, at second degree, you get that title of Lord or Lady, depending on your gender. But that announces that to the world or to the pagan community at large that, hey, You can go to them. You can trust them. They're going to know their stuff. They're going to have answers. They better. (laughs) Yeah, they better. Which, you know, I I hate to be this way. It does bring up when you're talking about solitaries who decide one day, oh, yeah, I'm going to name myself Lady Greenbean or, you know, Lord Forever. (laughs) You know, but I've only been studying for a year. Uh-uh. That then breaks down where we're talking about the problems between traditionalists and solitaries. It's because we view these titles as recognition of achieving a certain level of study and spiritual growth there. And that, you know, we feel comfortable enough for you to go out and teach and educate and counsel people 
that you're going to pretty much know when to keep your mouth shut, when not to keep your mouth shut, and be able to actually help people. And that's not decided by the initiate. That's decided by the elders when or if you're ready for that, right? Right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like right now, Miss Keegan. <laughs> Keegan, notice the name there. Keegan, Keegan, right now you're you're studying for your second degree. Studying bleeding to me. <laughs> sure. Some people find this very, you know, the whole classes and the structure of it very confining to a certain extent because you know there's a lot of times where you have to learn certain things before you start grappling with the mystery behind it. Well, you have to. Yes, you have to. It's taking steps. It's taking steps, but without the prior knowledge, you don't always have the appreciation of that mystery when you finally either told or you finally figure it out. Right. I agree. Yeah. There's a difference between that and, ooh, I understand this. I understand when we consider this so sacred. Do you, though? Do you? <laughs> do you well, really? I do. I do. I don't know about, you know, you. <laughs> I understand nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so, is it, does it come down to traditionalists seem to study their religion as opposed to jumping in and just practicing it? Let's study while we're doing these things. Study, learning, reading certain books, reading certain texts. Some of the books that, you know, you might wind up reading in our tradition have no connection to craft at a whole. Some do, some don't. Some are just um, helping you become a better person or how to know yourself better. How to know you, how to know yourself um, some have, like I said, have absolutely nothing to do, uh, especially when you get in the second degree, because at second degree, we all sort of uh, pick a field of expertise, as you know yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure if you want anybody on this podcast to know about this, but, you know, you, you yourself are studying herbalism. Mm-hmm. How many books have you read that have on herbalism that have nothing to do with witchcraft or magic at all, just to understand herbalism. More than the books I've read about the craft. Right. There's the majority of them doesn't have anything to do with the craft at all. Right. Well, see, and again, where I think a lot of people have problems with traditions is, is that as you're studying, And you know this just as well as I do, especially when you're studying at that first degree neophyte level and you're trying to obtain that first degree, Mm -hmm. is you hear this a lot. That's a first degree mystery. That's a second degree mystery. That's a third degree mystery. Or that's just a mystery. Yep. That's your mantra. Now, at first, this is annoying. All right. Now. Because I, I could see where somebody said back, you know, are they doing that as an excuse because they really don't know? No, they're not. What it is. But I don't know if you noticed when you were going through your first degree classes was as we got closer and closer to the mysteries, it wasn't no longer. It's a mystery, but we'll get to that a little bit later. It might have started off 
me saying a mystery. And then you'll, well, we're going to get to that in a little bit. It kind of reveals itself as you go. Sometimes it reveals itself so slow and stuff like that, that we actually have to say, hey, by the way, this is a traditional mystery, and you don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down somewhere. You never caught that. That's a mystery. Yeah, no, that's a mystery. <laughs> You know, because, I mean, sometimes even, again, you can verify this, uh, we'll be teaching stuff or I'll be teaching stuff. And it's like in the first classes and stuff. And I've told you a bunch of mysteries and y'all don't realize it until later. Much later. Much later. Much later. <laughs> yeah. And you go, hey. Hey. <laughs> Because we'll start mentioning this at nine times out of ten. I have one. I have a student sitting there going, raising their hand, going, "Hey, wait a minute! You talked about this back then, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and here's the significance of that. Yes. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you never set us down and say, "Okay, time for the mystery unveiling." <laughs> no. No, I mean, the majority of the time, it's not that way. Hence the reason I'll sit there and I'll tell people, God forbid anybody actually listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> very, It's very few and far between students that do this is I will sit there and say, hey, write down all your questions. All right? Because it always happens. As soon as you leave, you're going to think, oh, I should have asked this, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Because at the beginning of the next class, I'm always going to ask you, does anybody have any questions about the previous class? Yes. And you ask them, well, as that goes along, you if you notice when I teach, does anybody have any questions of anything we've already gone over? No. And that means that I'm talking about all the previous classes. You can add, you know, you can go back to the first class and go, well, you said this in the first class. The first class is protocol. Well, it is, but I'm just saying, you know, we could be in, you know, what at your 13th lecture and you know you could sit there and go hey back in the second lecture you you said this i still ain't understand what the significance right. was right you could you be know. going to your second degree and say you remember the third class you gave me as an earphone i still don't understand that. <laughs> i don't think we're, you know, we do have our rules. We do have our regulations. We do have our bylaws that we adhere, adhere to as an organization. Now, these laws are separate from the Wiccan read. Right. We follow Lady Sheba's laws. So what sets you apart from eclectic groups or solitaires? Is it just the rules and laws and regulations that you have? I believe it or not, I believe that's it. I mean, we have, and again, I'm speaking about Life Temple and Seminary, which is all I can really speak of. We have a diversity of traditions and people in temple. And I think where a lot of people get confused is, well, all we're saying is, is you know, when we come together, regardless if it's a full moon or, or a Sabbath or a grand Sabbath, this is how we're going to operate. This is what we're going to do. That way we don't have somebody doing something off the wall somewhere else. To keep the confusion down. That, you know, we're, we're all agreeing that, yeah, you're this, I'm that, and, 
and and that's fine and dandy. We don't have a problem with that. But when we come together, we're going to operate this way as a group. And then some people get this whole entire type of thought in there that once you join a temple or a coven, that you're not allowed to do your own personal rituals. You have to do ritual with temple, with your coven or group. Right. Which to me is not always necessary. Or feasible. Or possible. If you want to do your solitary work, that's fine, and just show up for Grand Sabbath. The only thing I ask for, you know, my personal sanity <laughs> is, uh, you know, let me know. Because, you know, if you're showing up for all the rituals and then you suddenly stop or just start showing up just for the grands, I'm going to pull you aside more out of concern. Well, what about different pantheons? Can you have... I know we are, you know, we have that Celtic foundation, but what about, um, are there those in our coven that is Greek or? Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. I, I, we have, we have some that follow the Greek pantheon. We have, I have, we got some that study Native American. Roman. I have Roman, uh, Norse, Nordic. And, but when we come together, it don't really matter. To us, you know, sitting down and having those conversations with each other about the different pantheons, because there's no way in my head, there's no way one person can learn everything. It's impossible. You know, like my field of expertise is mainly teaching and magic and or religious theory, I was trying to magic. figure out. You Just know, theory. I mean, just theory you know, in general. <laughs> just theory. Trying to figure out some of these older mysteries and stuff. And which, you know, there's a lot of debate there. When I come up with an idea or a hypothesis that I am sitting there to the group at large going, hey, here's what I think I figured out. What do y'all think? Right. Please poke holes in it. You do like that. I love that. Yeah. Because if the more holes y'all, you know, you can poke into it, the more I might have to rethink it. And you like that. I, d I do. I enjoy that. Give me another way of thinking about it. Anybody. Give me anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anybody. Again, when we teach, we, we try to teach that. I, at least I do. I try to teach people how to flip that coin, how to look at it in a different viewpoint, in a different light, from a different angle, however you want to put it. So as a traditionalist, you don't um... – these are the gods that we're going to study. These are the gods we're going to worship. Uh, it's going to be this path only. There's no room for change or anything different. That's not a traditionalist. Not to me. The traditional to, to me is having those formal studies. Again, certain rules. For example, if someone in your area, Keegan, which, you know, Mean you do not live close to one another no. anymore. But anybody in your area, I might get a message from that goes, hey, can you do a house blessing, blah, blah, blah. I really can't get up there at the time. I would call you because as a first degree, you're allowed to do a house blessing. Where second degrees are allowed to do other things, but we're only talking about under the auspices of temple. Okay. 
So, like I was saying, if somebody was called to have their house blessed and I couldn't get to them, but they live closer to you, I could call you and say, hey, go do this house blessing here. You would be going as a representative of Life Temple and Seminary. And as a first degree, you can do that. Now, with that said, Julia or Bill or Bob down the street that happens to be friends with you come up to you and go and start asking for your advice and stuff like that. That's not you being a representative, even though they might know your religion. That might not be – that's not what I would consider you representing Temple. Oh, my own personal advice? Your own personal advice. Right. People have weird concepts about what a traditional is. Yes. You know, a lot of them think we're like really stiff shirts yes. um, that, you know, we're always serious. Mm-hmm. We're no really problem. not – no room for change. Can't. No, no, no. This way. No change. Can't look at things different ways. We are completely rigid. And, yes. you know, once you join us, you can't do this and you can't do that. And no, there are just certain things you can't do in the name of that temple. If you think about it in the business world, I'm not going to ask the janitor to put, you know, an electrical device together. Right. <laughs> right. You, you know, you're not going to sit there and ask a secretary to go outside and run a CNC machine. Right. Who has no clue what in the world a CNC machine is to begin with. I'm not going to sit there and ask a first degree to do a job that is required by a second degree. And we all have our jobs. We all have our jobs. Right. And that's to make Temple run smoothly. Yeah. Nobody's a slave. Nobody has to do things. Yes, sometimes most of our temples are run in people's homes. People have lives and stuff like that. So you might have a be going to a temple ran by a third degree, and that third degree might go, hey, you know what? Full moon's coming up. We're going to be doing, you know, we're, of course, we're going to be doing ritual at this time. I barely get off work to meet this time schedule where we have all decided that we can meet at. So can I get some first degrees to come over or some people to come over and help clean up the house right quick? Or bring the offering, make the offering, bring the offering. Right. Yeah, bring the cakes and, you know, can you bring the cakes and wine? Can you bring cakes? Can you bring wine? You know, we're running low on candles and stuff like this. And I don't think what we're asking is a lot. It's nothing I haven't ever done myself. As a first degree, I had the responsibilities of a first degree. Lord, man would sit there and go, hey, we're doing ritual. Come over. You need to help me get cleaned up and set up. Well, you learn that way, too. Even if you are, even if your elder is sitting there and you are cleaning or setting up the altar or cleaning the tools or whatever, there's conversation going on there. I think there's a lot of learning to be there's had. There's a lot of learning. Lord Men often had problems moving around. He was not always physically fit to do th- certain things. Able. He wasn't able. He wasn't able. Me and my longing years here, <laughs> I, I, I cannot physically do as much as I used to. So, you know, yeah, if you've got an elder sitting there and 
and you got a first degree that's 20-something years old that can run circles around you, yeah, your elder might be sitting there, might get up and take dishes to the uh, to the kitchen and try to wash them. <laughs> At least put them in a pile. At least put them in a pile or something like that. I mean, the majority of times at Temple, everybody pitches in, regardless of degrees. It's just different jobs for different degrees. Well, I mean, like I said, there's certain things, but, you know, it, it's more done like a family thing. When we have Grand Sabbaths and we have these big feasts, we pretty much know who's going to be cooking what ahead of time. Typically, in our tradition, Temple tries to provide the main course, you know, what meat or whatever we're having. And somebody will volunteer to cook. In our case, it's more likely going to be Lady Alba. <laughs> she is our resident kitchen witch, and nobody <laughs> can cook like her. <laughs> you know, you eat some of the stuff she makes, she makes you want to go home and slap your mom going, why right. don't you clean, cook? Why didn't you ever cook that way? <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't find it a chore. Or no. she doesn't find it a menial or anything no. like that. I mean, we're, we're talking about a third degree here, but this is what she does. She does it out of you know the love for you know those in temple. It's not done from you know oh I got to do this. Right. You know right. don't get me wrong. Her like me is getting on up in years and can't probably do as much, but she tries like crazy. <laughs> a for effort. Y'all have earned that, right? Yeah. So she might have a couple of first degrees or maybe even a second degree and helping her out, doing some cooking and stuff like that. Well, is there any strict regulations with degrees? You will do this. You won't do this. Is there anything that, as a traditionalist, that you're strict with as far as degrees go? As far as degrees go? Yes. Um, there are a few things we are strict on. And they're very few and far between. One of the things that we stress more than anything else is that this has to come first. And a lot of people have a problem with this concept because they think, okay, that means I have to be there at every ritual. I've got to be there at every meeting, whatever, and dedicate myself to this and, you know, forego having a social life or family or anything like that. I don't see that as true. When we say this comes first and is, yeah, you show up for ritual. We're going to use one of my little sayings here. The ox story, right? Right. If your <laughs> ox falls in the ditch on Sunday, either A, get your ox out or go to church. Get your ox out. If your ox falls in a ditch every Sunday, Either kill the ox or fill in the ditch. Right. I love that one. <laughs> Which basically translate is show up to ritual. Show up on time. Be prepared to actually do ritual when you get there. Because, you know, like during full moons, there's not sometimes this falls, you know, during the week. And a lot of people ain't got time to chit chat or do whatever. It's we got to get in there, do ritual maybe have a little meeting afterwards and everybody needs to go home because everybody's got to get up early in the morning, go to work. Right. Things happen. Kids get sick. You get sick. Um, cars, break. Uh, cars break down. Dinners get burnt. 
there's that homework project that should have been done three months ago. Sitting there. Uh, sitting there. <laughs> that's needed tomorrow, and you can't show up. <laughs> and if that happens, it happens. You know, but if you're missing a couple of rituals, and we're, again, we're used to you always being there, we're going to give you a call. Hey, is everything all right? Is there anything we need to do to help you? Right. You know, you have this community behind you to help you out to a certain extent. I mean, we're not going to pay your bills for you. <laughs> right. But, you know, if you're having car problems, there might be a mechanic in Temple or somebody that knows more about cars more than me. <laughs> Which could be a three-year-old for as much as I remember about cars sometimes. Uh, <laughs> things like that happen. And we understand that. Well, I'm out of coffee. Oh, I've been out of coffee. Thank you for listening to Pagan Coffee Talk. I hope you join us next week. We travel down this trodden path, the maze of stone and mire. Just hold my hand as we pass by a sea of blazing pyres. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks.